Hey everyone, welcome to Infuse Church Online. Today I'm really excited because we're beginning a brand new series called I Don't Wanna, which is a four-week conversation about responsibility. And today we're going to dive deep into those moments in our lives, in our words, or in our behaviors where we say, I don't want to, and the implications that has for our lives and the lives of people around us. So stick around. Today we are beginning a four-week uh, series called I Don't Want to. Uh, or I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, sorry, you got to get the right attitude with it. I don't want to. Um, and uh, it is a conversation for four weeks about responsibility, and I am really looking forward to this series. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're going to cover a lot of uh, relevant, practical topics. Um, and on, in all honesty, I'm just really excited for the next three months of sermon series and what we're going to be getting to talk about. So uh, I hope you will um, try to catch as much of that as you can, uh, or as that as you can. Excuse me. Now. Today, I just want to fair warn you that by the time we get to the end, um, you may be feeling uh, a tad bit convicted in certain areas of your life. And so I just wanted to, one, fair warn you about that. And two, I want you to remember now, so hopefully you'll remember then, when you leave here, anytime you feel convicted, which I hope is more often than not, or encouraged to change, maybe in a new direction, that you would remember um, to not necessarily feel bad about it, um, but that you would look at it as an opportunity for growth. And I understand for some of you, um, pessimists, that's challenging, or as pessimists say, or as my wife tells me, it's not pessimism, it's realism. And uh, yeah, um, but to look at it as an opportunity for growth, because um, I think there's a lot of those in uh, going to be in this series. Now, with that, I thought if we're going to have a conversation about responsibility, it'd be really good to begin a conversation about responsibility by defining or at least coming to a common understanding of what responsibility is. And responsibility, as I looked into it, was a lot more abstract than I thought, and so I kind of had to make my own definition. Um, and here's at least what I came up with. You may not completely agree, but here's what I came up with. Is responsibility is taking ownership for your life and its impact on others. Now, the beginning of that is ownership, that first word, ownership. And um, I, we, I was kind of going back on a couple of different words used there, and I landed on ownership, and in part I did because um, not only the conversations that I had with others asking them what they thought, but because ownership, if you think of a good owner, generally good things will come from someone who is a good owner of something, whether it be a car and you do well at owning that car, you take care of it, or a business, and you take care of the employees, and you invest, and you, um, you know, make good products. If you are a good owner of something, usually good things come from that. And then that it doesn't just end with your life, okay? Because if we just said taking ownership for your life, um, that would just mean that somebody's just exceptionally good at being selfish, right? Because if all you're caring about or all you're responsible for is personal ownership in your personal life and you do not think about its impact on others, it's a pretty self-centered existence. And so I wanted to broaden that out so we're thinking not just in our personal self, but in how our, self, our lives impact other people. So here's responsibility, at least our working definition, for the next four weeks. Now, I realize for some of you, and maybe it's just because of the season of life that you're in right now, that you're thinking to yourself, or more specifically, you're thinking of someone in your life who just needs a crash course on this, right? I mean, you could just literally stop right here and talk about this, and that would be what they need in their lives right now. And so, I really want to encourage you, if you're thinking about it, your kids or your boss or your siblings, that you not only 
um, process this for you personally, um, but then you can always invite them to church. Great idea. Or you can go onto our app or our website and follow along with the series. Um, you can, you know, invite them on a drive with you somewhere and then just put it on the radio, you know, kind of passively, aggressively, you know, say, this is, this is for you kind of thing. Um, because I think responsibility is something we can all maybe do a little bit better at, um, and we certainly probably know some people who certainly could as well. Now, the reality is, as much as um, this is a great idea, responsibility, um, we don't like it all the time. Okay, there are definitely mornings, maybe it was this morning for you, you woke up and you're like, "Eh, I don't really want to go to church today, but what would a responsible person do? Well, they would maybe go to church, and so you showed up, and I really appreciate that. Um, But the reality is, life requires responsibility. As much as we want to shy away from um, taking ownership or having obligations or commitments in our lives, life necessitates responsibility. And I'll give you some basic ideas of this, Um, just in your survival— depends on how responsible you are. For example, eating, okay, you have to eat, right? You can say, I don't want to eat as much as you want to, but the reality is you have to eat to survive. Makes sense, right? Some other things, clothing, okay, you can say all you want, right? It worked as a two-year-old, three-year-old maybe, but eventually came to a point where the rest of us said, yeah, you need to dress yourself in the morning, Thank you, all of you, for doing that this morning. And also, you need to wash your clothes, okay? Some of you still need to do that, okay? That's a part of the responsibility of having clothing. And if you don't, what happens? You lose friends, okay? All right? Just an idea. Okay, life requires responsibility. It requires, um, part of that is shelter. You can tell your bank and you can tell your landlord all you want, that you don't want to pay the rent. You don't want to pay the mortgage. And as much as you say that, if you don't, if you don't take ownership for that part of your life and its impact on others, your life is going to get a lot colder, right? At least this time of year. Life necessitates, requires responsibility. And I think another area that we don't necessarily always think about it in these terms, we tend to think more tasks and things that we're responsible for. Um, But one, uh, if we want to have relationships in our life, we have to be responsible, okay? Now, if you are in a relationship in your life currently, okay, and you think your only responsibility in that relationship is to have fun and to enjoy one another, you're obviously not married, okay? But when you do, you will have responsibilities that you never thought you'd have. Or if you date long enough, there becomes responsibilities that you never thought or um, really imagined or even hoped to have. For example, um, I have a a new responsibility in our household at least for the last year, and I have, uh, Stephanie has um, come up with an endearing title for it, and that title for my new responsibility is Diaper Daddy. (laughs) Any other Diaper Daddies here? Nope, this is original? Okay. One. Perfect. We're not alone. We should start like a community group. Diaper dads. (laughs) So many people would want to join. Anyways, um, right? I mean, diaper dad sounds like it should be cool, but it's not, right? I mean, there are, there's an ownership that I have to take in my life because of my choices and because of its impact on others to make sure another human being is well cared for, right? And I have lost nose-smelling receptacles because of the potency that is being a diaper dad, but that is just what responsibility requires if I want to continue having a relationship, right? 
And so that's at the heart of what we're getting at today is life requires responsibility. For you to exist, for you to survive, you have to be responsible. And this is going to set us up for the next three weeks, and it's specifically going to set us up for what we're going to spend the rest of today talking about. And as nice and shiny as an ideal as a responsible person is and being responsible is, I think for us to make progress in responsibility, we have to have an honest conversation about the other part of responsibility, and that's irresponsibility. Irresponsibility. Because I think if we want to make strides in for ourselves and for others becoming more responsible, we have to understand irresponsibility and its impact on others and on ourselves. And when we do, I think um, we'll have um, uh, more maybe motivation to and more awareness of the power that is responsibility. Now, I define irresponsibility as neglecting to take essentially responsibility, ownership for your life and its impact on others. And I use neglecting um, kind of specifically because um, I think at the end of the day, responsibility is a decision. And every day when we wake up, we have that opportunity to make a decision, yet sometimes we neglect it. You have the ability, but sometimes you don't use it, right? You committed to doing said thing, but then you didn't end up responding, or you just stopped responding, or you forgot, right? And I don't know if it was a forgot or a forgot, you know what I'm saying? But the reality is you neglected in that process. We, we live in a digital age where you could set a reminder to yourself, could you not, pretty easily to remind yourself, yourself of that responsibility so that you could take ownership in it. Or neglecting doesn't just mean we totally blow it off altogether. We kind of have it, don't we? Okay? And, and every person who's ever had a teenager or been a teenager, which is like all of us, know exactly what that is. It's having it. It's not doing the full thing, okay? Right? You showed up, but you were unprepared, right? You forgot the meeting, so you tried to reschedule it, so you think it's okay, but the reality is you still miss the meeting. Or my personal favorite, okay, you got dirty dishes, all right? And where do dirty dishes need to go at the end of the day? In the sink. Okay. That's Kevin, everyone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you over here to the dishwasher, right? But where do they go? In the sink. Now Kevin doesn't want to talk. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, they end up in the sink or on the counter next to the sink. And I myself would love to put them in the dishwasher, but I even have just given up and I just put it on the side because nobody else puts it in the dishwasher, so why would I kind of thing, right? That is irresponsibility. Now, does anyone like irresponsibility? Does anyone want to be known as irresponsible? No, not at all. But the reality is we are, and we have been for a long time. And so what we're going to do now is I'm going to read to you a story of irresponsibility that really highlights some of the big consequences that come along with irresponsibility so that we can understand them. That we can stand up in the middle of these moments of irresponsibility and say, ah, yeah, I see where this is going. Or maybe you see where it went, and you can back up and say, hey, the original problem was probably irresponsibility. Okay? And then, after I read the story to you and we tease some of these things out, I'm going to leave you with two questions that I hope will set you up for the next three weeks 
and really hopefully even for the rest of your life and in your parenting and in your relationships to be more and be accountable to a higher standard of accountability. Okay, now the story that we're going to read today comes um, from the very first book of the Bible, um, which is Genesis, specifically Genesis 1. So if you brought your Bibles along or you're kind of kind of person who follows along in the Bible or you have an app, you can pull that up. And we're going to jump um, through three chapters, the first, second, and third, and kind of grab and piece together um, how this all goes. Um, but I wanted to set it up um, and kind of give you the lowdown of what's happened so far in the story. So far, as m- most of you probably know, in Genesis 1, um, God creates everything, okay, and then he eventually creates human beings, okay, a man and a woman. Now, I want to just acknowledge that, as I do every time we talk about Genesis, that some of you may not read the account of creation in Genesis 1, 2, or 3 and say, that is exactly how I believed it happened. And that is totally okay if you don't totally buy into exactly how it says a literal interpretation of Genesis. That is okay, and you do not need to, to understand and to see the power of this thousands and thousands of year old story and how it can impact our lives. So I hope that doesn't necessarily catch you off as we go through this um, 5,000 plus year old text, all right? Now, What's going to happen is God has done all these um, things that he said was good, created man, and then he gives man responsibility, okay? And then we're going to see how that story plays out, and some of you know how it plays out, so don't get ahead of me, all right? But we'll we'll go through this, okay? So starting in Genesis chapter 1, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them, okay? So God has created him, now he's going to give them some responsibility, all right? And check out the first responsibility, all right? Here we go. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, okay? He's talking about making babies, all right? Responsibility number one for humanity is multiply, Now, I understand for some of you that sounds like a really enjoyable process, but remember, babies are at the end, diaper daddy, not necessarily great. There is responsibility that goes along with this decision, okay? So that's what you're supposed to do, responsibility number one. Now he goes on to responsibility number two. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is kind of a big deal. Responsibility number two, okay, is to be responsible for the whole earth. You're supposed to care for it. That's a big deal. I mean, imagine giving your children who can't even clean their room, who can't care for their fish, okay? Can't get their homework done. Or maybe you who struggle to get their work done too. Imagine God giving you responsibility for the whole earth. God gave his children responsibility for planet Earth. I mean, what could go wrong? (laughs) Moving on. Then he expounds in chapter 2. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So in the next chapter, he goes on to more specify how this is supposed to look. He's supposed to till it. He's supposed to work the ground. He's supposed to work the earth. And he's supposed to care for it. Now, This is an underpinning for Jewish and Christian theology um, when it comes to the responsibility 
of the earth. And we talked about this, in fact. This is not a new verse for us at all. Um, we did a series, I, th- I think it's still online on our website. It's called um, Thank God It's Monday, all right? And it's about work. And what we learned, we took this verse apart over three weeks because there is so much going on in this word, this Hebrew word for work. Um, And so we teased it out over a handful of weeks. um, And essentially we learned that we want to work. We were made for responsibility. I had somebody come up to me recently and they said, I just want to get rid of all the responsibility in my life. And I said, no, no. I don't think that's necessarily true. And then I just thought in my head, you're probably more likely running away from something than you really don't want to have responsibility. Because if, and you don't have to do this now, but later you go home and you think to yourself, what would my life look like if I was responsible for nothing? I mean, maybe in the busyness of life that sounds good, but I'm guessing you give that a couple weeks and you'd be pretty bored and you'd be pretty restless and you'd feel without purpose. See, we're made for responsibility. We are most happy when we are responsible for some things and some people. So, this is what you're supposed to do, responsibility number two, all right? Then he gives him them one more command that you're responsible for, okay? Essentially, he sets it up this way. If you're, if you're, not, um, uh, if you're not busy enough if you haven't been distracted enough by responsibility one and two, if making babies isn't enough, and if taking care of the whole entire earth isn't enough, just in case you get so distracted that you think you need to misbehave in some way, I just want to clarify. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One thing you're not supposed to do. You can do everything else, take care of the entire world, but just this one thing do not do. And what do they do? What does every 2-year-old, 13-year-old, 18-year-old, 30-year-old, your 40-year-old spouse do when you say, there is one thing that I just do not want you to forget? One thing that I want you to remember. One thing that I need to count on you today for. They drop the ball, right? They're irresponsible. They neglect. And that's exactly what happened. Adam and Eve failed to respond correctly to their commitments. They do not take ownership for it, and it all falls apart, and they feel ashamed, and they feel bad, and they feel guilty, as so often we do when we drop the ball on big responsibilities. Okay, and then what do they do that we too sometimes do? They hide. They hide. And this is what, uh, in in chapter 2, it says... um, Next slide. The, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. Okay, everything's kind of falling apart. They're feeling bad. As he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, this is really, really dumb. Okay? Like, you may be able to hide from your mama. You may be able to hide your, uh, you know, disobedience from your daddy. You may even, in some of your cases, be able to hide from the cops. But this is God. And even if you don't believe in God, if God exists, you're not going to hide anything from him. But that's what we do. When we are blatantly irresponsible, we try to hide. And we do really dumb things. And that's what they did. So they tried to hide. But the Lord God confronted them about it. He went to them. The Lord God called out to man, where are you? Okay? If you have kids, you may have done this before. Where'd you go? Because they're hiding. Because they know they messed up. 
and you're going to try to give them a chance, right? You go up to, you know, who broke it, right? Did you really hit your sister, even though you know that they did, because there's only two of them in the room, and it's not like anybody else is in there? I mean, really. But you try to give them a chance to own up. And so how does, uh, how does Adam answer? I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I mean, you can try that at home, but I'm just not thinking it's going to get you very far, okay? What's God doing? He's confronting the irresponsibility. And so God responds. He said, who told you, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Confronting irresponsibility, which is something we, I think, in all fairness, often struggle to do, confront other people's irresponsibility. And so now, Adam's going to respond, okay? And this is where I hope, especially for the men, that you really pay attention because Adam's response is so absolutely incredible. Here he's, here's what he says. Okay, Adam said, yes, I did, Lord. I take full responsibility for my actions. I will accept any punishment you have for me, but please leave Eve out of it. She is innocent. If you're not, re- if you're not laughing, you need to read your Bible more often, Okay. <laughs> because that is not in there, and you never know what I'm going to put up on the screen, okay? All right? This is not how the story goes. (laughs) He did not take responsibility. He did not take responsibility solely on himself, okay? Instead, what did he do? Okay? Ladies, pay attention to this part. The man said, the woman! which some of you ladies, it's now like clicking for you like thousands of years and men still haven't got it, okay? Right? They've yet to change. The woman, you put here with me. I mean, Adam isn't just blaming one person. He's going right to God. He's like, you know what, God? um, I didn't even know, like a few hours ago, I didn't even know what woman was, okay? It was just me hanging out. The animals and I were great. We were just, you know, chilling, and uh, everything was good. I was naming some animals. I don't know what I was doing. I was really bored. But then you came along and said it wasn't good, and then you gave me woman. It's your fault. It's your fault. You put her here with me, and she gave me some fruit from the tree, and so then I ate it. So you got... You need to go to her, and you two need to work out your problems. And this is where we have to step into this story and begin to understand the implications of irresponsibility. Because this story is many things, and it is not, and it is beyond, it goes even beyond the, the, the main underpinning of uh, our theology as, as Christians, or even if you're Jewish, um, the main underpinnings of our theology. There's conflict that comes from this, because there is irresponsibility. Because that's what irresponsibility does. Irresponsibility tempts us into what we know as the blame game. The blame game. We know we messed up, but instead of taking responsibility for our mess up, I mean, if you're not going to take responsibility in the first place, why would you take responsibility when you messed up? It really doesn't make sense at that point. Okay, you might as well just keep the irresponsibility growing. Do you think you can grow, that your relationship can improve, that you can avoid conflict when you're irresponsible? No. 
it is really, really hard. And for some of you, this may be some light bulb moments in your relationships, in your relationship, that you're realizing, oh, I can kind of see why things have fallen apart. I can kind of see why I walked away from God. Maybe because I was just a little bit irresponsible. But I mean, think about it on the flip side. Think about if everybody just took responsibility. I mean, you walked into work tomorrow morning, and everybody was just on their game responsible. Everybody in the office, your roommates, your community group, your team, whatever team you're on, or or game, uh, you know, sport, athletic um, team that you may be on, in your family, that everybody just put full energy into being the most responsible individuals that they could possibly be. Do you think there'd be conflict? I don't know, but I'm betting it'd be a lot less. I'm betting it'd be a lot less. I mean, just for the week. If you couldn't blame, for this week, if you just went home, you made one commitment, you don't even pay attention to the rest of the message, just for the rest of the week, you are not going to blame once. All you can do is take responsibility. Think that would change some things in your relationships? Think that would change our culture, our, our, our city, our nation? I know, it's a pretty big ask, but just thought it'd be worth considering. Yeah, it would prevent a lot of things. It would prevent conflict, and it would prevent what happens next in the story, okay? Your responsibility creates conflict, and it also leads to more things. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it you have done, Okay. Adam says, look at the woman. God goes to the woman. And the woman says, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Okay? In other words, irresponsibility is contagious. It's contagious. Because if you don't, you want to fill the rest in? I won't. If you don't, I won't. won't. Yeah. And that actually kind of makes sense. Because I pay attention to this. Um, some of you can understand what I mean um, f- because you, you're here uh, most Sundays at 7.30 in the morning, which is when, when we get here to set up. Okay? This is what happens because I've watched it now for three and a half years of, of doing setup and teardown. Okay? If I am late, okay, the, the guy driving the trailer, which has all the stuff in it, if I'm late, then it creates a domino effect of other people being late because why would you show up? If the trailer isn't even here at 7.30, you wouldn't, right? doesn't make sense. Because if you don't, why would I? Uh, think about that in, in practice. Uh, I, uh, if, you're, if you're a sports or athletic team, okay, and you're practicing, right? If you have, especially some of your most talented athletes on your team, and they don't work hard, what happens to the team culture? Drops, goes down. I remember um, growing up, or not growing in high school, um, I guess I was growing up then too, but um, I had a PE teacher, okay? Um, and at the time, it was just maybe annoying, but now I think it's just kind of funny, is uh, there would be days where we, for our PE class, would just simply run around the gym in three minutes on, three minute off increments all day, okay? That's what we do for the class, all right? And the best part about this was, is the PE teacher, you knew this was going to be one of these days, because the PE teacher in the office, which was connected to the gym where we were running, would sit on their rolling chair. The chairs had wheels. They'd roll out into the gym and sit there and blow the whistle for us to know when to start and stop running. 
So we're running around the PE teacher while the PE teacher's sitting back in the rolling chair. They didn't even stand up and walk into the gym. They rolled into the gym, people. Okay? What does that do for your, hey, I'm going to try to actually do some physical exercise today? Nothing. If you don't, I won't. If you don't pay your taxes, if I know you don't pay your taxes, if the people in the government whom you're supposed to pay taxes to avoid paying taxes, how much more likely do you think you'd be to pay your taxes? Zero. Why don't you let your kids hang out with irresponsible kids? Because it's contagious. And you know that if your kids hang out with irresponsible people, there is a really good chance that they're going to come to you one day and they're going to say, I don't want to. Why? It's not because you taught them that. It's because they saw it in others. And that is one of the most powerful downward impacts or downstream impacts of irresponsibility. Yeah, it causes conflict, but the conflict isn't isolated. It impacts and it goes on and it goes on. And then the last one, which I think has the most personal impact and immediate relational impact, is that irresponsibility because, becomes someone else's responsibility. Let's say it one more time because I think it's so big. Irresponsibility becomes someone else's responsibility. Because man and woman messed up, were irresponsible. Who took responsibility? God had to take responsibility. God had to rectify the issue. And I bet you, and maybe if I'm wrong, you come tell me, send me an email, something like that, okay? But I'm betting if you look at any case of irresponsibility, big or small, someone, somewhere, sometime, had to take ownership for your irresponsibility or for someone else's irresponsibility. Somehow, I'm not sure how, but somehow somebody did. Your irresponsibility, my irresponsibility, will cost someone down the line. It will become someone's responsibility down the line every single time. You see this all the time in your work, right? If you're in a uh, computer, you work in computers, most all of us have to have computers to get our jobs done. Some don't yet, but most of us have to. If someone enters something incorrectly into the system, how bad can that mess up your client relationships? How bad can that mess up your effectiveness in your job? If they put bad information in, or if they just simply don't do their job, somebody has to pick it up, don't they? Or if your team falls apart because they didn't do their job, you might all lose your job. That's a definite cost, isn't it? If someone doesn't learn their part, then you may not be as good as you could be, or you'll have to pick up what they forgot. If they don't show up, somebody has to, right? We're a volunteer-led organization, right? I say this a lot, but there's only one paid staff member, okay? One. Everybody else is a volunteer. So if one person doesn't show up, who has to take it? I can't. I have other things that I, I mean, if you don't want me to stand up here, somebody else has to take that responsibility. Group projects, that's why most of you hate group projects, because somebody has to take responsibility. It always becomes someone else's responsibility. And here's what I know of you. This is not your desire. This is not your desire. 
Yet we have an incredible skill sometimes at explaining and justifying, convincing ourselves, and then sometimes, honestly, some, of, some people I've met are amazing at this, convincing others that they weren't actually irresponsible. And that at the end of the day, they, they were going to have to pick up that responsibility anyways. And you convince others of that. And you may even get away with it. But you'll never get away with it with yourself. You will always know that you didn't take ownership. And that impacted your life and it impacted others. And that is not a fun existence. That is not a fun existence. So here's what I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to ask yourself. And maybe in some correct moments in your life, you ask this of others. Am I taking responsibility really? Maybe a little attitude like really, you know? Like a little anger maybe even there, like really? Am I taking responsibility really? Am I taking ownership in my life and its impact on others? In the small stuff, the small stuff adds up. You know this. This is just a rule of life. If you neglect the small things, they'll become big things. In the big stuff, it's easier to want to take responsibility in the big stuff because people are watching you, okay? Small stuff matters too. Are you consistent in every area of your life? Spiritually, are you taking responsibility really? Emotionally, are you taking responsibility really? Or are you just pawning off your emotional irresponsibility on others? Physically, are you putting the responsibility for your physical health and well-being on others? Or are you taking responsibility? Now, I don't want you to think that you couldn't get out of this question. Because you can. You can loophole your way out of this. You can convince yourself out of this. But then you won't grow. And then you'll see conflict. And maybe one day then you'll wonder why, and you'll think to this message, and you'll say, huh, I'm seeing some conflict here. Could it be at its source, irresponsibility? Maybe. So am I taking responsibility? And then just to make it maybe a little bit harder for you to work your way out of this, I have one more question, okay? And I want you to not take it or use it in a mean way or receive it in a mean way. I, I need you to receive this in love and compassion because this, this is an interesting question. I don't know. You, you'll just see what I mean, okay? Who's taking responsibility for my irresponsibility? Who's taking responsibility for my irresponsibility? And here's why I think it's a little bit challenging, because parents, I just have an idea for you, and you can use your best parental judgment on, on if to use this or not when it comes to this question. But the next time, okay, your kids, if they're at the right age, okay, where they can process this, if, if they leave their clothes out or their dishes halfway between the counter and, and the dishwasher, or, or they put, leave their towel in the bathroom, whatever it may be, okay, try something. Go up to them and, and, or call them in if they've left, okay, and say, you know, child of mine, whom I love dearly, come, come here, please. And when they're there, look at them and seriously and say, please ask me to put away your towel. Please ask me to fill up the gas tank after your night out with friends. 
Please ask me to take care of your financial irresponsibility. Please ask me to keep your room clean because as your life is going, you'll probably need it soon. Maybe that one's a little harsh, but I don't know. Because I think what that question does is it forces us to ask ourselves, who's taking responsibility for my irresponsibility? And if that question makes you uncomfortable, if you see your kids, because I'm guessing some of your kids are going to be like, they're just going to go for the towel and put it away because you're trying to teach them a lesson. No. I need you to ask me to put that towel away. Because had you not been here, I would have had to do it. Because we have guests coming over, whatever the reason may be. Because I need the car today to go to work and now I'm going to be late. I need you to ask me. And it's tense, and it's uncomfortable. But the reality is, we just let it slide by so often that we're, by by almost giving in to irresponsibility, sometimes I wonder if we participate in introducing conflict, introducing that contagion, and allowing irresponsibility to spread by not asking ourselves this question, by not confronting ourselves with this question. This um, is uh, a question, not necessarily in these words, but it has been a topic for Stephanie and I in our marriage now that we have a child. Because we are both aware of the reality of raising children and how we are their biggest role model for pretty much everything in their future. And I guess the question that Stephanie and I are trying to figure out is, is we're trying to figure out who takes responsibility? Or at least to be maybe more honest, we know the answer. To be more honest with ourselves, who takes responsibility for our irresponsibility as parents? Who takes responsibility for our irresponsibility in our marriage? Who takes responsibility for our irresponsibility when it comes to loving each other and loving our children? Who takes responsibility? Kids do. And they don't even know it. Until maybe one day they're in counseling, thank goodness that they at least were willing to take that step and get into counseling, And they realize, oh my gosh, the reason that I struggle with responsibility in this area of my life, in this marriage, my marriage now, is because all I grew up with was irresponsibility in mine. And that is a painful, painful prospect to wrestle to the ground. But it is the truth. Just as it was true in Genesis 1, that has carried forward for years and years to come. All you see as a child, for marriage, for the most part, other than maybe the Hallmark Channel and a couple of movies, is your parents' marriage. It's all you got to go on. And so if you let irresponsibility get out of control in your relationships, it will have a downstream impact in your children's lives and very likely in their children's lives. 
And I know that not just because of the story we just read, but also because there's a whole branch of psychology of family therapy called family systems. And the heart of family systems is the fact of this downstream impact of irresponsibility or responsibility in the lives of people around you. So, am I, am I, not worrying about others right now, just am I taking responsibility for my life, really? And I realize if you're thinking right now, wow, this is probably not one of your most encouraging messages, Taylor. Okay? That may be true. But for some of you, it may be one of the most important. It may be one of the most important. And you may say, well, my kids are, my kids are out of the house already. They're adults. Okay? And you can say, well, that season of life or that job or whatever it may be where I maybe would acknowledge that there was some irresponsibility there is, is, is gone. But it's not really. Because as we found out, irresponsibility has a lot of impacts. A lot of perhaps remaining hurts and conflicts that are still there, that may be seated so deep under so many layers that it's hard to even get to them. And we're going to talk about that next week and in the week following. But at least for today, I think the starting point for us is to look at ourselves, look in the mirror, and say, am I really taking responsibility in my life? Or am I just kind of brushing it under the rug? Because my bet, in fact, I don't even know if I have to bet because I'm pretty sure you all know it. If you took responsibility, if your family took responsibility, things would get better. If your boss, your manager took responsibility, oh my, things would get better. And it'd be worth it. It'd certainly be worth it to you if they did. So why not not fall in a victim to the contagion of if you don't, I won't? You say, at least for what I'm responsible for, at least for what I can take ownership in, in my life and those parts of my life that impact others, am I doing that really? This year as a church, and again, I'm going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks, this is something we're going to start really leaning into. Because I know if we are going to be making the greatest impact that we possibly can, we're going to have to really own up to, are we really individually taking responsibility? Are we really? God gives us no guarantee that, oh, well, if we just do this, then he will do that. No, no, no. We have to take responsibility too. He has invited us to be a part of his story and changing people's lives. And I believe if we want to make a massive impact as a church community for the better in our communities and in others, other people's communities, we're going to have to do a whole lot more of this. At every level, even if it's just, I just come to church on Sundays. This is still possible. I don't think it's an understatement to say this could be one of the most defining parts of your life and this church and any other organization or group that you're a part of. So am I taking responsibility for my life and its impact on others? Let me pray for you. We'll sing one more song and get you out of here.
you would bow your heads with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, um, for those of us who um, things might be spinning a little bit, a lot of questions, maybe more questions than answers are popping into our head around areas in our lives, in our past, that maybe we've been a little irresponsible. Lord, um, my prayer, or even, honestly, for those of us who are going to walk out of here today and we're going to think about it, we're going to think about it tonight, we process through this, my, my prayer, Lord, is for all of us, as we get to that point where we're able to identify, hey, I think there might be some irresponsibility in my life, or there certainly has been in, in this area of my life, and, and I'm not even sure the downstream impacts of those things. Lord, my prayer is that you would help us to not just, you know, wallow in that, to feel bad about it, to, to sulk in it, but but that you would encourage us to take responsibility even for our irresponsibility. Take responsibility even for our irresponsibility. Because that's when we begin to change, Lord. That's when we begin to change the direction of irresponsibility and lack of growth and conflict, and we move it towards growth and change and improvement. Lord, that we would look to your stories. Genesis 1, 2, 3 is just literally the beginning of a constant flow of stories about responsibility and irresponsibility. And maybe for some of us, we're going to open the Bible up for the first time and start reading them. But wherever we are in our lives and whatever we come across, that we would honestly ask ourselves, am I being responsible really, and how can I take responsibility for where I have it? Lord, I just pray that you encourage us, you keep us optimistic. Give us the strength, the knowledge that the people in our lives, whatever we may need to confront those things honestly. Because we know that, that you are the kind of God that took responsibility, even though you didn't have to, for us. Because you loved us. And if we love those people around us, we will too. Lord, my prayer that I hope all of us pray is for you to just give us the clear lenses to see that, those hurts and those pains and those irresponsibilities in our lives, and you would give us the uh, direction, whatever we really need to move beyond them. In your name I pray, amen.